Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to Football Digest. As you all are painfully aware at this stage, England have been eliminated from the World Cup, beaten 2-1 by France on Saturday night at the quarter-final stages in Qatar. The defending champions will march on to face the outsiders Morocco in the semis, while on the other side of the draw, Croatia are back again, four years after beating England at the same stage in Russia, and they will take on Lionel Messi's Argentina. But for us right now, it's all about England's exit, what went wrong and what happens next. And I'm joined by Andy Dunn and John Cross, live from Doha. England may be on their way home, but Andy and John certainly are not. This is Football Digest, and I'm pleased to welcome the guys one more time. John, I want to talk to you first. Um, On my running order here, it says football's not coming home, but does this feel different to uh, previous World Cup exits, or is it more the same? Uh, No, it always feels painful to me, but it feels particularly um, painful this time, and therefore, I guess, a bit different. In that I just thought, I mean, I said, didn't I, when we spoke on Friday, I thought England were the underdogs. I thought France were favourites, but I thought England had a really good chance despite that. And I just thought they they played brilliantly against the world champions. They went behind against the world champions and, and started to play even better. And I thought that they, they played really well. And I just thought, thought it was a chance. I mean, we have to remember, I guess, you know, France are missing... Um, some big players themselves. So, you know, it's not completely full strength France. But having said that, their, their front line was pretty spectacular. Um, and they've got a decent midfield. And and, and, and to me, an underappreciated goalkeeper who more than showed his worth on Saturday night. And and yet England, you know, had this great chance. Um, I mean, at 2-1, Harry Kane has that penalty. And you're thinking what might have been, you think what might have been particularly because... And this is this is why it feels different to me is because you know Gareth Southgate has in the past been quite lucky with draws and my word if they got through to the semi final you know you're thinking we'd be playing Morocco Morocco are missing three of their four defenders and another through sub, uh, through suspension and wow what an opportunity that would be to to reach the World Cup final that was the prize at stake. And I think, you know, also throw into the mix, I think Gareth Southgate has bought, built a really nice squad, a really nice kind of a balance between sort of youth and experience. And it was there for the taking. And and that's why it feels different this time. I think in, in previous tournaments, we think, oh, we weren't going to win anyway. Weren't good enough. Even in 2018, you thought, well, it's been a fabulous ride. Um, you know, at halftime against Croatia, I guess you, you're ahead and you're thinking, well, you know, could reach the World Cup final. But in previous times, you just didn't think they would, I didn't imagine for a second of you know the sight of them lifting the trophy, but against France at times it allowed you to dare to dream because at one-one England were the better team. There's no doubt about it; they were on top and they could have pressed home the advantage, but they didn't. Familiar failings, I guess, um, and that's why it feels familiar. But I just think the disappointment feels all the greater at this time because of what might have been, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andy, is it one of these defeats that, that you know, sort of demands an inquest and and that kind of thing? Or, you know, it, has this tournament shown that England with Southgate and with the current, with the crop of players they have, they're sort of on the right track? I mean, seven matches is a very sort of short time frame to, to judge anybody's work really, isn't it? No, not really. It, it does demand an inquest. I mean, they blew it. I mean, I, I just don't buy into this sort of stuff. They, they blew it. They absolutely blew it. You know, you know, they had the chance to beat 
uh, a, a, a French team that re- weren't really on it, but they had the best chances. You know, we're, we're rewriting this game as we speak. You know, France had the best chances. France scored two goals from clear chances. Olivier Giroud should have scored another goal. Rabiot should have scored another goal. They had the clear chances. This idea that England somehow dominated this game is an absolute myth. It's rubbish. Um, and unfortunately, well, well, they didn't. I mean, I, I watched the game again last night. You watched the game. You tell me who had as clear a chance as Olivier Giroud had when Pickford saved. Who had as clear a chance as Rabiot had when Pickford saved? It didn't happen. We basically conceded chances against a French team who weren't quite at it. They beat us, um, and they beat us fair and square. Um, and this sort of, I don't know, I, I mean, I, I just don't get it. This idea that we were somehow honourable losers or, or whatever, I just, you know, I, I really just don't get it. They, they, they didn't play particularly well, England. They played okay. Um, I mean, they keep gave them five and a half out of ten, but with a very honest appraisal of England's form, and they were they were all right. France weren't great either, um, but no, I, I mean, I, I, I think that, that we are, we are seriously kidding ourselves that we've come up against the first decent team in the tournaments, and we've been beaten. I mean, Declan, I, I was looking through Declan Rice's quotes, and he said, "Oh, well, we did okay. We, we, we dominated them, apart from the two goals." Well. I mean, that is the point in it. Apart from the two goals that they beat, well, England didn't score a goal from open play. They didn't create that many chances. Name me a, a clear cut chance that they created. I mean, I mean, name me one now. Name me a clear cut chance that they created. They didn't. Uh, Hugh Lloris off his lines was smothered from Harry Kane. Oh yeah, <laughs> off his lines was smothered from Harry Kane. Was that as clear, John, as the Pickford save from Giroud? Oh, no, but you, you asked me to name you a chance. Well, it wasn't clear. I mean, I mean it really wasn't I'm clear. Sorry, I'm sorry, but it's, I mean, it's 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 I spoke to so many French journalists since the game, and basically they all said it was a better team. They're patronising you, Pete. They're patronising you. I mean, I have to say, I mean, why, why do we bow at the feet of Lakeep ratings? Oh, Lakeep says so it must be true. All these amazing ratings. Oh, gosh. Lakeep are the font of all knowledge. We are, oh, gosh, we bow before Lakeep. They, they absolutely say. I mean, we give ratings. I mean, I'm sure they don't. Sure, they don't. You know, kind of you know, bow to our ratings. It's just opinions. And the the, the French journalists that are, 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 you know, look at look at respected French journalists on social media. They all say England played really and basically they deserve as they would after they won. And no, listen, England. I, I don't think. I mean, I mean, seriously, Peter. I mean, England did. You know, they did okay. Um, they were beaten. They were beaten fair and square. They conceded two good French goals. Um, they couldn't manufacture a goal from open play themselves, and they missed a penalty. I don't think there's much. You know, in essence, they forced. They blew it. You know, we can't. This isn't school sports day. This is the World Cup. You know, we can't say, "Oh, we'll, we'll tap you on the head and say, okay, you've done really well. You've tried your hearts out. You've really done your all. You're all great, Gareth. You're lovely." I mean, that's nice, but. We're going home again after the quarterfinal. And that's like, you know, and that's how, how it is. I mean, it's brutal. It's harsh. But, you know, they've lost to the first really good team that they've played against. In that regard, Andy, um, while you're on this one, um, do you see progress in this team from from the last tournament? The last World Cup? No, 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 I don't. No, no I, I don't see. Well, I, I certainly don't see progress because, you know, I mean, and again, 
this they've done really, really well at promoting this idea of Southgate developments and the FA developments and whatever. There's clearly no progress in it because they got to the semi-finals of Russia and they've only got to the quarterfinals of Qatar. So, you know, I mean, literally speaking, there's no progress. They've actually gone backwards. They got to the last four. They got to the last eight. The team in Croatia, uh, the team that played Croatia, probably very much similar to this team, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, players coming through, players on the way out. Um, just pretty much the same, really. You know, we, we will always go... Well, we've got a, we've got a generation coming through. There's always been a generation coming through. That's the nature of football. There's always been a generation coming through. But at the final hurdle or the hurdle before the final hurdle, they've been found wanting. They've been found wanting in Russia, and they've been found wanting again. It's as simple as that. Listen, yes, it's 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 encouraging. That, you know, there's a two or three players: Bellingham, Saka, Foden, who will who, who will progress and do well. But then there's always been young players. That's the nature of football. I mean, I mean that, that's it. But w- what we need is to actually perform when it comes down to the big in-game. We didn't. The game was the game was there to be won against Croatia in Russia. The game was there to be won against Italy last summer. The game was there to be won against France when we equalised, made it one-one. And on all three occasions, they haven't gone on and done it. And that is just. The simple fact. I mean, you know, that's a, that's an argument. That's a fact. No, uh, absolutely, Andy. Absolutely, you're right. Um, we sat here last week, and, and both you guys actually predicted a two-one win to France, uh, and I went for I went for England. Uh, I thought England would 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 do what they did with Mbappe, which is smother Mbappe, uh, have a plan for him, score late on. I was almost close with that one because Kane misses penalty. Um, so you know, fine margins on my predictions. Um, John. I know you'll take no pleasure in being right and seeing France win the game, uh, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about France and and some of the individuals w- within that French lineup. Um, so you know, England have the you know Saka, Foden, uh, Bellingham, these guys that have been spoken about, but Aurelien Chumani. I wanted to speak to you about John, um, the Real Madrid midfielder, who not a lot of people were speaking about in the build-up, who probably wouldn't have been starting at the World Cup if Kanté and Pogba had been fit. Uh, what did you make of his performance in the midfield? Oh, I thought he was really good. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, I don't know. I think he's probably seen in France as something similar to their, their, their own version of, 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 you know, Drew Bellingham. Frankly, you know, young midfielder, kind of dynamic and sort of kind of the future, basically. And Real Madrid spent a lot of money, didn't they, basically, to get him? So, I, um, I mean, it, it's. I, listen, I, his goal was was fantastic, and then all of a sudden he's kind of, um, he, you know, announces himself on on the stage really with that goal. Um, I mean, no one would have predicted that he he scores the first goal, and yet because I mean, he, he's an effective player and they've uh, formed an effective partnership, haven't they, Rabia? And you'd say it was an effective partnership rather than anything else, really, because you know he shields. Um, the defence, Rabio is kind of a little bit more forward running and they kind of, they have a sort of a two-man quite disciplined midfield though, really, which they do very, very well between them because they're so strong and so overloaded in attack. So it's, it's, it's you know, I thought, I thought his performance was good and, you know, he has given away a penalty, you know, which is the kind of, you know, the... the, the, the <laughs> I thought I would have said up until I, I mean I do the, the player ratings. I, I, I don't know, you know, kind of whether they're taken as gospel or not. Okay, but it's, it's um, but it's just my opinion. But um, 
I, I, up until he'd done that, I would have said he was one of you know France's best players. But he was it was just a bit. I mean, it was Saka's brilliance, but he was teased into it, wasn't he? Really. But I thought you know I think you, you can well and truly say that over the course of the tournament, he's established himself as a big player. You know, he's more than sort of kind of stepped into the opportunity given. I mean, as you rightly say, it's sort of kind of would he have played, you know, if Kante and, and Pogba and that sort of kind of midfield um, partnership had, had been available, it, you know, I'm sure he probably wouldn't have got nearly as much game time as he has here. But I think he's grasped this opportunity. I think, you know, being this bigger player on the world stage basically d- just does wonders for your confidence, does wonders for your standing in the game. And people realise that he's, you know, he's truly a big player on the biggest stage, basically. The reason I mentioned uh, Chiumeni, and I want to talk a little bit about Griezmann as well, is because obviously England had this plan for Mbappe, uh, which you would say on a one-to-one basis probably worked quite well because Mbappe really did, didn't get into the game. But from your perspective within the, within the stadium, how did England's set up to cater for Mbappe, how did that sort of have a knock-on effect uh, in terms of you know where France ended up finding their chances from elsewhere? Um, did England fail to keep the, the you know the back door locked in a way? Yeah, look, I think there's maybe a bit of an element of that when you I think perhaps consider just how well Griezmann played. Um, I, I do think that Griezmann over the uh, over the course of the piece, I do think he. Uh, was arguably France's best player on on the pitch. And, you know, I mean, if France win the game, so you, you probably make a very strong case for the fact that he was he was the best player overall. You know, some good England performances, I thought, but I do think Griezmann. The, the problem that I think was that we did become somewhat obsessed with Mbappe. And I felt as if that Walker played Mbappe as well as anyone that I've seen at this World Cup. He's, he's a truly world-class player. He's one of the absolute... Well, he is. <laughs> Mbappe's absolutely fabulous. <laughs> I mean, it's just, he's just, he's won the World Cup. Is Andy he's, disputing that Mbappe's world-class? Well, I, mean, I mean, I just think he's a, he's a brilliant player. Walker played him, I think Walker played him well, but I think in doing so, I do feel as if the other French players were given that extra time and space and basically you know I thought Griezmann therefore ran the attack ran the game I thought that Giroud you know was 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 left wasn't he on the um on on, on you know on his goal basically and you know yeah a couple of opportunities as, yeah as the game wore on I felt that Giroud came more and more into it and his physical presence became more and more of a threat and so it proved I thought Dembele, who has, by the way, I mean, justified all expectations and belief and had an amazing tournament. You know, just really... You fall Injury back, free, switched him. on. He's, oh, he's really... It's just yeah. it's focused for him, in my view. I don't know whether everyone would agree with that, but I just think this is a serious player who could be anything he wants in the game. He's still got time on his side and he's amazing. He's got so much you know, pace and so much... Um, you know, direct running threat, basically. He's fabulous, fabulous player. I love watching him. But he's, he, he's, he's stalled a bit. But this season, you know, bearing in mind he flirted with leaving, you know, um, and, and flirted with moving clubs last summer. 
and this World Cup opportunities grasped it with both hands. But, you know, he had a really fantastic battle with Shaw on the other side. I thought at first he began to really dominate Shaw and Shaw came back well, I thought. But it's just, you know, I do think we got so stuck with worrying about Mbappe. There's no doubt about it. Mbappe didn't have one of his better games. And, but that is partly because I think Walker played him well. But it also, because they were trying to sort of so overload on his threat, it left left the back door open, I think, as you say, for, for, for the other threat, for the other, you know, goal scoring threats, the other forward threats. Mm-hmm. Andy, you look like somebody on the opposition benches there waiting for the Prime Minister yeah. to finish. Well, yeah, listen, I, 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 I mean, I watched Mbappe scorch past Carl Walker in the second half, ending the debate, who's the quickest, and pull it back. I saw Kylian Mbappe um, cut inside from Carl Walker, then go past Declan Rice <clears throat> in the build up to the French goal. So, I thought I thought he did okay. I, I mean, he did well. I mean, I don't think Walker marked on the game at all. I mean, uh, you know, as I say, one on one, probably Mbappe got the better of him. Um, but Walker had no contribution, zero contribution going forward. The modern game—you cannot have the modern game and win games without your fullback going over the halfway line. Um, and I'd say, well, someone like Pep Guardiola is probably watching that game and thinking, what have they done to my fullback here? You know, he, he, he's not even he's not even getting over the halfway line. And again, that's another one of Southgate's, you know, that you have to look at and you think, well, hang on a minute, you've got a right back, for example, in Trent Alexander-Arnold, and, and, and you just can't see it. The rest of the world can see that he's a world-class player and, and, and you can't use him. I thought Walker did okay, um, as I say, Mbappe skinned him in, in in that instance in the second half, but you know that other times Walker m- maybe got a foot in, but he was not really an, a, an influence on the game. Kyle Walker, I want the fullback to be an influence. I want the fullback to actually get involved in attacking play, and he never did that. He never ever did that. As I say, I, I'm struggling to remember him getting over the halfway line. Sadly, yeah. And Shaw, Shaw was probably England's best attack and threat in the first 15, yes. 20 minutes yes. or so on yes. the other yeah. side. Yeah, on the other side, that's fine. And he is. He's like that. Yeah, yeah. That's no, good. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, while I have you, Andy, um, just about the changes that Southgate made during the game. Because, you know, Saka winning penalties. I thought France were scared of Saka at one stage. I, I thought he had the game by the scruff of the neck. Do, do we know why he was replaced? We don't. He, you know, in the sort of, in in the barrage of praise for Southgate and, 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 and the honourable failure routine, we haven't actually asked that question. How, I mean, not only did he, not only did he take Saka off, he replaced him with a guy who'd gone home on the previous Monday, hadn't trained for four or five days, come back, and then he he, 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 he put him on for Saka, who was causing havoc. So, no, it, as I say, it, it, in the sort of, the general sort of theme of, didn't we do well? Um, we haven't actually asked um, why he made that substitution. I mean, I assume he might have had a knock or he was tired, I, I don't know, but it, it was a bizarre substitution. Bizarre, whoever he took off to put Raheem Sterling on, um, I mean, utterly bizarre. I mean, an, an utterly odd substitution. But, but you know, um, I, again, no. You answer the question, Peter. Is it? I don't know. Maybe John knows whether he was injured, whether he was tired. Um, well, as I mentioned, Saka's name there, a wry smile just sort of broke out across John's face for some reason. John, uh, tell us your analysis of that, because for me, from an outsider's perspective, I thought that's where the game is lying now for England. That's that's where they have France on the ropes. I only had a, a, a wry smile over my face because Andy might not remember, but we had a sort of kind of very full, frank and honest discussion about why on earth didn't we know whether Saka was injured or not 
um, last night, really. So <laughs> we were just recalling a bit of a, um, a bit of a, a bit of a lively debate, shall we say? Um, but uh, look. No, I, I mean I don't. I wasn't in on 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 Southgate's, um, you know, kind of live match press conference. I was kind of in the mix zone interview area, um, and we did see sort of kind of Southgate, um, you know, kind of well after the sort of the, the players had filtered through later on. And so I don't know whether he was asked directly about Saka and whether Saka had had or not. My only reading of it was that maybe having absolutely, you know, had a phenomenal game. I thought he was fabulous, Saka. Um, was that maybe you know Southgate wanted to you know change it and give someone fresh legs because Sack would run himself into into exhaustion, frankly. Um I, I, I must say I didn't see that. I still thought that Sack was such a threat and I couldn't quite understand that. I, I felt as if the the area where Southgate has been so good in this tournament that has been substitutes. He's got five substitutes. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about the, the ones, yeah, the, yeah, the, ones yeah, the other night. I, I just don't understand what, what's happened there because he's been proactive with his substitutes. He, he's appreciated that you can win and change a game from, from the bench. And, you know, when England were on top at 1-1, I just felt as if, you know, go for the jugular, make those changes, be positive, be strong. And and yet, what? Where was the first substitute? Was it seventy nine? Wasn't it? And I just felt as if that's too late. You know, you've got this luxury of the five subs. You know, Foden. I didn't think particularly had. I, I love Phil Foden. I think he's a super player, but I don't think he particularly influenced. He wasn't game. in the game, really, was he? No. And I just felt if there's an obvious change, you know, on sixty sixty five, it's fun. And I just, you know, bring on you know, Rashford to to kind of bring that extra dimension with his sort of kind of direct running and pace. He's an absolute, you know, flyer, isn't he? And basically but aggressive with it. And I just feel, you know, that 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 was one. And I just think also I thought Henderson overall has had a super tournament. I do feel as if, you know, we touched on it before how good France were in midfield. And and yet I do feel as if, you know, you could have made a more positive change earlier with with Mel, for example. You know, and I just think I didn't. If there's one area where you have to kind of look back and reproach, then I feel as if Southgate substitutes and changes have been really positive and strong and good. And he's definitely learned from the past. And yet that went out the window against France. And it he, he felt to me as if he's, if, as if he's stuck, stuck rather than twisted, basically. Um, and I think I thought that was a shame because I think he'd been proactive and strong up until. Up until that point, yeah, um, I would say. I mean, from my perspective, uh, you know, that England squad, as it is, that twenty-six man squad, would probably finish top four in the Premier League. Let's be honest. Um, maybe even win the Premier League. You know, they're very, very good, man for man. Andy, do you think that they, when push came to shove, when it came down to the crunch, that Southgate did enough with? the talent at his disposal, especially from the bench. I saw Grealish coming off the bench with about two minutes to go, for example. Rashford was out there. No, um, no, he didn't. I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, Grealish came on 90 plus eight, you know, for John Stones. I mean, ludicrous, ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. As I say, the Sterling substitution defies actual any understanding whatsoever. Um, but again, it, it's glossed over in the general, in the general theme. And um, no, he didn't. And what really, really, listen, I think Southgate is 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 the best man for the job. I think he's done a really good job um, overall. It's a good atmosphere, etc. I think they really did blow it um, in that game, and you can't get away from that. 
And the fact of the matter is, what really the one thing that really does sort of um, um, sort of great is, is the common theme that Gareth and a couple of the players were sort of um, um, promoting after the game, saying, "Well, at least it shows we can go toe to toe with a big team." And I quote, I quote, unquote, um, Southgate saying, "At least it shows we can go to go toe to toe." Well, they are a big team. England are a big team. They've got a huge talent pool. You know, they're not some sort of underdog saying, oh, at least we can compete now on the big stage. Absolutely ludicrous. They're, they're an incredibly well-funded football association. They're an incredible, they've got incredible depth of talent in, in terms of playing ability. They've got a great domestic league. And they should be expecting better than to go out and say, well, didn't we all do well, as Mark Bullingham said? You know, didn't we all do well? Weren't we nice? Um, and we tried our best and, um, and we lost to the world champions. Well, the world champions reserve team, and and we we all should be proud of ourselves. I just don't think that's the right message to be sending out there now. It's happened now, and it's happening all the time. Do we wait for another honourable failure? It's what you sort of think about international football and tournament football, the England job. I mean, I, I, again, I, I stress. I think Southgate is absolutely fantastic at what what he's built up with the England team, but it depends what your view is on what international football is. I mean, is you know, would we be happy to go to Euro 2024 and, you know, lose to France in the quarterfinals? Maybe we would. Maybe we would if it's all nice. I don't know. But should tournament football be about... Listen, Gareth Southgate will be the only losing, if he decides to stay, of course, which he might not do, but um, he would be the only losing quarterfinal manager to be still be in a job. You know, I mean, I mean, Tite go... Uh, Santos will go. Uh, obviously, Luis Enrique is gone. That's what happens. That's the nature of international football. Big nations, and we claim we're a big team. Big nations generally, if they go and they get knocked out in the quarterfinals, they sack the manager. or oh, the manager goes. That's just that's just how it is. Give someone else a crack. It's not. It's not. It's not a sort of. But we, I get the fact that that we like Southgate, and and we're happy to you know, he's had six years. And, and and again, I think you know he could have another six, and that'd be fine. It'd be nice. The team's lovely. Um, the players are lovely. Um, and you know, it, 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 it's just a question of what you particularly want. Do you want someone else to have a crack, or do you want this really nice feeling of of a nice bunch of lads um, with youth coming through and 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 to come to the tournament and do what they've done in this tournament? It's it, again. It, it's a personal opinion, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, personally, I, I mean, I would, I could handle seeing England go out quarterfinals at every tournament, but you know, that's just me. Um, John, two, two, two questions on Southgate. Really, should it be? I mean, Andy's talking, you know, maybe harshly about about Southgate. Should it be his call to make, or should somebody say, okay, you've had your crack, now's the time to move on? And if he does leave the job, where, do, what, what level, club level do you see Southgate being at? Is he? Is he a Premier League contending manager? Is he top four? Is he top six? Is he, you know, sort of in that band of clubs between 11 and 15 that bob along in the Premier League? Is he a relegation dogfighter? What's his standard, do you think? I mean, I, I don't really know what his standard is. I think the more pertinent question is, um, what, what is his, you know, what, what, would he, what would he get as a job, basically? Uh, and I feel that that's the that's the, the that's the wider issue. He couldn't perhaps. pick a job. He couldn't walk into a job, for example. Well, I don't think he would. I don't think he could. And I think that's that that's the you know compelling argument for him to stay. I mean, let's be clear here. I thought before the the, the start of the World Cup, I thought he was definitely going to go. 
And after the tournament, I think he's he's done quite well, and I think he's you know the fans have sort of been singing his name again, and you know he's he said didn't he you know it's it's in today's mirror that basically he's found the last eighteen months very difficult. He found the sort of kind of the stick that he got over the Nations League very very tough as well, and you know he's basically now going to evaluate his future. I know what you're saying. Should should he be you know given the choice? Well, the reason that he's given the choice, whether he sticks or twists, as England manager, is because the FA really want him to stay. Um, and so basically, that's why it's his choice. You know, I, I, I mean, and, and he's clearly conflicted because on the one hand, he's sort of saying he's the best man for the job. And on the other hand, he's basically sort of saying, well, you know, every other sort of nation, big nation gets rid of their manager if they go out of the quarter, quarterfinal stage. And I, I actually see that, you know, and, a, and a, you know, six and a half years for an international manager is a long haul. You can make arguments that sort of Deschamps has been in the job for a long time. You know, look at Germany, for example. You know, they kept they kept their Deschamps won prizes. That's the difference. It is, but look at how long it took him to win prizes. So you know, you can argue that basically in 2016, when Southgate takes over at England's lowest point, they've just lost to Iceland in the Euros, been absolutely humiliated in their previous World Cup campaign. They were they were gone in eight days and home before the postcards. I mean, you know, it's that what what you're dealing with here. And then the next World Cup, Southgate takes England to the semi-final stage, and the next Euros, he's taking them to the final. I'm sorry, you'd have to be some sort of idiot not to realise that. And then that's one hell of a lot of progression, really. I feel, and then basically, therefore, he's earned the right in my in my view to, you know to a new contract, to stay on. But do I necessarily think it's completely the right thing? Well, I don't think it's the right thing if, if Southgate isn't isn't completely convinced that it's right for him. And I, 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 I see it that basically I'm not sure that it is. I think he's done really well in this tournament. I'd like to see him stay on. But there's clearly conflicts in, in Southgate's mind. And I think if you have doubts, then you don't work at 100%. Going back to the original question, right, I just feel that if he were on the market, what would happen next? What, 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 where, would he, where would he go? Would he get a, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, if Brighton suddenly had a vacancy, what a perfect fit that would be. But that would you leave England with, with the best one in the world, you know, with all due respect to Brighton? That's, he's, he's looking for a Champions League club job. So where, where would that be? I, I, you know, he, he, I tell you what, if Spurs suddenly lost Conte next summer because he throws a strop at Daniel Levy, you know, the transfers, I bet you Southgate would be on the shortlist, but would he actually get it? And that, and that's what we're talking about. I think if Southgate leaves in the next, you know, two, three weeks and he's on the market, he will get a job at some level, probably not the Champions League club level, but will be back at the FA within two years as their technical director. You know, that that's but just because he's made for the FA, he's made for England, he'd, he'd leave it and it sort of there'd almost be a feeling of, you know, you'll miss me when I'm gone and, and, and I'm sure we will because he's been absolutely fabulous. I, I, you know, I just don't see that he's, he's necessarily cut out for club management on a Champions League level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, might sound harsh, but you know, and uh, John, I think I agree. Um, it br- brings us to the next question, Andy, which would be 
there's maybe you know sort of a glint in some people's eyes thinking about a new England manager and who that might be. Uh, obviously, there's been some contending names thrown out there over the last few days. You know, Tuchel, Pochettino. I've seen Bielsa's name mentioned. Um, what do you think? Are, are England stick? Obviously, I mean, it looks like they're going to stick with Southgate and he's going to stick with England. But if they were to make a change, what kind of manager would you like to see in there? English. That's it. That's English. your number one criteria. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, yes, we've been down the road um, of having foreign managers in charge of England, and it hasn't worked. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that you know for any other reason. The fact that I think your national manager should be um, should be English. You know, in the same way that the Brazilian national manager. It's always Brazilian. I mean, it's not really, you know. The final four teams at the World Cup are all all native managers, as you. Sorry. The final four teams at this World Cup all have native managers. All have what? Sorry. Native. They're all of native managers from. Yeah, from and country. Just, yeah. You know, I mean, it's what it's what international football is all about. It should be, you know, your best players against their best players, and your best man against their best manager, your best bus driver against their best bus driver, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so English, and, and listen, who, who it may be, is. In essence, it's, it's 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 you can't say well well you know um, well well who's going to be oh we, you know we shouldn't or hopefully Gareth won't walk I mean because you just you just throw it out there you you just advertise the job you know and, and you say like okay Eddie how do you want the job Graham Potter you know do you want to apply for the job um, and, and it's simple as that and if they do they do if they don't they don't I mean I mean bear in mind Gareth Southgate got the job was promoted from within the FA. You know, he's promoted under 21 manager. Now, I'm not saying that Lee Carsley should get the job, but, you know, I mean, this is, it's not. It's called the impossible job, but it's really not. I mean, you know, you've got, you, you've got a, again, a huge pool of talent to pick from. So, um, Gareth Southgate got the job having not, you know, had a brief spell as a club manager and not done well, then was a pundit and then went into um, in, in the FA system at St. George's Park and became England manager, you know. So we don't need a Pochettino. We don't need a Tuchel. We don't need, you know, we, we, we've done perfectly well to an extent um, with, with a guy promoted from within the FA system. And don't forget, that's what the FA system is all about. That's what St. George's Park is all about. The problem we've got, I mean, just going quickly back to the um, discussion, I think one of the problems you've got, well, not a problem, I mean, they don't see the problem. Is that the FA will be absolutely delighted with this tournament, and the statement from Mark Bullingham showed that they're absolutely delighted with it, and they don't need to win anything. They don't need to win Euro twenty twenty four. They don't need to win World Cup two thousand twenty two. They're happy. They've got um, a, 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 you know, as I say, a great bunch of players who represent themselves extremely well. Commercially, they're an attraction. They've got a manager who literally comes across fantastic. You know, he, he could stand for prime minister tomorrow. He'd probably get a lot of votes. And they're happy. The actual results don't really matter. I mean, you know, I, I mean, Mark Bullingham's, you, you know, um, statement yesterday that, that we've done brilliantly and, you know, it's a small margins and let's move on. Because it really doesn't matter. The, the, it's been a successful tournament again for England with Gareth Southgate. He represents... The team, the FA, the country spectacularly well. So there's no real agency for them to, you know, it, it, they're not like these other associations who say quarterfinals are a failure. Luis Enrique, you're gone. Tite, you're gone. Fernando Santos, not quite yet, but you'll be gone. 
They're not like that. They, 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 they see basically a lovely guy in charge of a lovely bunch of lads who've, you know, come up short and they'll carry on. That's the thing. So in terms of success, they'll probably want more of the same. I say it's up to Gareth, is it? I mean, he may decide he's had enough, but I totally agree with John. You know, I'm not entirely sure where he would go from there, but I'm sure he doesn't want to be pigeonholed either as we're all pigeonholing him as like, you know, like he was born in an FA suit. He's become tailor-made to the FA, hasn't he? It, 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 you know, it, it's like, well, can you imagine Gareth Southgate in charge of Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool? Well, no, you can't, but I'm sure he would love to be in charge of those, you know, and and, it, and it's a shame in a way because I'd love to see him get a crack at it. And, and I know John says the outsider of maybe those, the big six, could be Spurs. I agree. It could be, but again, would that go down well with Spurs fans? Would Spurs fans say, yeah, let's get Gareth in? Or would they say, let's more? After Mourinho and Conte, they're looking up and up and up, aren't they? Exactly. They've got a history of appointing high-profile managers. Um, But I understand why Gareth might think, well, you know, why can't I? But I'll tell you what, I mean, it's a brutal business, but, you know, that sort of result on um, Saturday probably doesn't get you a top six job. I wanted, I, I, I'm conscious of time. I know you guys need to move on. Um, two questions remain. One is, I, I just want a, a grading from each of you, out of maybe out of 10 for England's World Cup campaign overall. Um, and then we'll move, just uh, do a little bit on the semifinals before we finish. So John, if somebody, you know, let's let's put your Lakeepa hat on here for a second and, and, and grade England's performance, you know, from the group stage to the quarterfinals. And obviously now they're at home. Oh gosh, I've got to be all... all... Um, different and go and, and have a half mark in there, haven't I? Um, I, I would so I would go seven. I, 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 I'm always a positive, optimistic. That's high. Happy, I wish my teachers were so generous. Well, yeah, so do I. Um, with mine, um, I, I just you know, I, I always look to the positives. I've, I've seen sort of good emerging young players through this tournament. I think it's been much more fun than, than I expected. England, you know, scored as many goals as anyone in the group stages. They um, beat Senegal and gave us a really, you know, sort of great fun week building up to, to France. And then it was a really good quarterfinal. And I just thought, yeah, we all knew, we all could all pinpoint, you know, what was going to happen. Basically, England were most likely to meet France in the quarterfinals and probably going to go home. So really think we should see it as too much of a surprise stroke disappointment. I just feel as if, you know, it, 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 I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good ride. I, I basically, I thought, you know, I thought there was lots to enjoy, lots to take out of it. Yeah, I wish it would have gone a little bit further, but I enjoyed it. I'm going to go a positive seven rather than a kind of, you know, if we, when we do ratings in the paper, I always look at six as your average. It's just solid performance, not doing anything massively wrong and living up to expectations. Seven is a little bit better than I thought, basically. So seven. Not in the keep. I wouldn't give you that in the keep. No way. Um, seven. I think you'd be generous there, John. If I'm honest, uh, Andy. Well, the keep always have a decimal point. It makes it look cooler, doesn't it? When you have like you know, that's the Europeans for you. When you have a five point five or or whatever. Hey, listen, it, it's just average. It's it's a six, isn't it? It's entirely predictable. Um, they beat the team they should beat. They got beat against, um, I say, a, a depleted team that. Um, 
that are better than them. Um, and, and that's it. I mean, there's, there's not much else to say. It's, you know, the, is there any progress from 2021? Um, the Euros, Euro 2020 and 21. Is there any progress from Russia 2018? Not really. You know, we're, we're, we're a nice team. You know, you know we, we are, we, we have the habit um, of slightly honourable failure. I mean, and it's as simple as that. You know, you, in a cold light today, after the emotion of Saturday is gone and, and, um, you know, the the Harry Kane missed penalty, you know, sort of like, sort of in a way distracted from a performance that, that we didn't really create that much in open play. Um, yeah, I mean, a six, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's exactly what, as John said, and exactly what we, what we expected. We, you know, we beat a, an Iran team who really weren't even at the races on the first day. We, we, we drew with a very average US team. We beat a very poor Wales team. And we recovered from a slow start to beat him, a Senegal team who were without their their best player by a mile in Sadio Mane, and then and and then we just came short against the French team with shorts for a couple of stars. Yeah, uh, no, do I see progress? I just see a really nice bunch of lads um, playing okay and playing well, but 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 unfortunately, without that big game, um, well, at this level, you know, they've come up short in three high pressure games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who wins it from here? So on one side of the draw, we've got Argentina, Croatia, um, Messi against Modric in sort of an old man derby, uh, and on the other side we have France uh, against Morocco, who have who have been the surprise team uh, at the tournament, no doubt so far. Um, John, who wins it from here? Talk us through these two matches. No, I, I, I just I'm I'm someone that really likes the upset and the sort of fairy tales of the. Um, uh, of the World Cup, and I love to see upsets. And Morocco has been a fabulous ride, um, but I, equally, I must say, I'm a sucker for when it comes to a really glamorous top, top, top quality final. And I think France Argentina would be the dream final for me. I'd like to see it. I'd love to see Mbappe. You know, the the the, the man destined for the best player in the world crown. I think, and if he's not that already, I think he probably is um, against Lionel Messi, who's desperate to kind of crown one of the greatest careers of all time um, and, you know, desperate to crown that with, with a World Cup, which is the thing that's missing from his CV. So that's how it should play out. I think logic tells us that it's not going to do that because I just I just think every step of the way we've had an upset. I feel as if that France will beat Morocco um, simply because I... Um, uh, I just feel that Morocco have been amazing, absolutely awesome. But they've got injuries and then they've got a suspension. And I just feel that France will just have too much for them. So I think France will get the job done, reach the final. I think it, it, the other one is going to be the issue simply because Croatia have just upset people all along the way. Argentina, they just don't know when they're beat, do they? They do not know when they're beaten. The goalkeeper is just like living off rocket fuel. You know, if you look at his club career, he's not, no, not, nothing too massively exceptional, but he's just like living the dream here. He's just in, astonishing. And, you know, they're just, they're just warriors. They fight for their lives on the pitch. And I just feel that Argentina are bang average, apart from Messi. Absolutely bang average. And, uh, you know, Messi lifts them to, a, to another level. But, you know, only you just have to look at the way that Holland came back against them and gave them, a, you know, a real scare. 
And then basically, I just think that's the one that's right for an upset. Wouldn't it? It should be France, Argentina. I have a sneaky feeling it will be France, Croatia. Repeat of four years ago. But ultimately, whatever the outcome, I fancy France. I've tipped them from day one, and basically. I think that they're going to win the trophy. And there's plenty of those uh, French players who could do something that's not been done since 2002 when Ronaldo and Cafu did it, which is win two World Cups, which, it, it, you know, in the modern age uh, would be completely unprecedented, um, completely unprecedented. Um, and for Mbappe to do that by the age of 23, it makes you wonder how many he's going to end up with by the end of his career. He could even overtake Pele, who's has got three of them. Andy, what about you? How, how do you see these two games going? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm with John, you know, in the sense that, you know, I think France should have too much. I think Argentina, Croatia is a tough one for me to call. You know, I mean, I've seen quite a lot of it. I've seen a lot of Argentina live um, in this tournament. And I, I mean, I'm not particularly impressed to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, Messi's, you know, um, come to the table a couple of occasions, but overall, I'm not impressed, you know, which obviously makes it all the more galling. England going out because um, so listen, I, 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 it's a tough one to call. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm sat here sort of saying, well, you know, England were you know blew it, but then there are so many nations who could say exactly the same, couldn't they? You know, Brazil, Spain, Portugal. I thought Portugal when I saw um, Portugal when Ramos got the hat trick against Switzerland, I thought they were the best team I've seen here. When I saw Brazil for the first half against South Korea, I thought they were the best team. And they're both out now, you know. When I saw Spain score seven, you think they're the best team here, and they're out. And when you saw England beat, say, Senegal, you thought they might be the best team and they're out. So it's, it is, it sounds a cliche, but it is tournament football. It's, you know, and, and anything can happen. But realistically, no. I mean, realistically, it, it, it should be a France-Argentina um, final. But, you know, Croatia, I mean, remarkably, you know, I mean, I don't know what the stat is, but they're not winning games. I mean, they are not ahead in games. You know, I think they've, I don't know, is it they've only been ahead? I think they've against... beaten Canada. They've only beaten Canada, I think, to this point. They've only beaten Canada, <laughs> excuse me, and they were only ahead in that game for something like 23 minutes. So, but can they, can they, can they do it? Um, yes, yes, they can. Um, but I fully expect, I mean, I expect, but then. France Argentina final, but then um, but then I expected it to be Brazil Argentina in the semi, Spain Portugal, um, England whatever. So so yeah, yeah but, but France, we just don't know anything, do we? We're, we're always saying all oh, France, isn't it? I mean, I mean, there's more to come than, than their performance against England. I didn't think they were great against England, um, um, but I think it's probably more to come. And you would have to say now they are favourites. However, Sometimes, Peter, there's the, 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 the scripts to get followed, isn't it? And the script is for Lionel Messi to bow out on Sunday night um, by scoring a fantastic goal in a World Cup final, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, 538, I know I mentioned Nate Silver's prediction website um, before. Uh, that website has got um, Argentina down as very, very slight favourites for the World Cup at this stage um, over France, but I'm not sure I see it that way. Um, anyway, Andy and John are sticking around. They're in Doha, Um for the semi-finals all the way uh, through to the final, which will be taking place next Sunday. Um, we've got France, uh, Morocco, um, Argentina and Croatia in the World Cup semi-finals uh, this week. John and Andy will be covering uh, both of those games. Um, you can find everything that they produce uh, either on their own feeds uh, or else um, Mirror Online or 
in print, of course. Um, and we hope to welcome the guys back um, later on in the week, Thursday or Friday this week, um, where we will be discussing uh, the World Cup semifinals, uh, results of those, and previewing the World Cup final, which is now just around the corner. What a tantalizing prospect that is. So it just remains for me to say thank you to Andy and John. Uh, I hope you, go, you guys go and have a productive day in the Doha sunshine. And thank you, everybody, uh, for listening to us. Make sure you catch up with everything that we produce uh, from the World Cup, wherever you get your podcasts or wherever you watch them. Um, for now, that's it. Have a blessed Monday, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.